You're listening to the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. This is a podcast that guides you as a new or inspiring independent interior designer navigating your entrepreneurial path. Here with my over 20 years experience, I will share my holistic approach to design with intention and ancient practices, including feng shui, all incorporating mind, body, and spirit into my design projects. You will also learn from seasoned interior designers as they give strategies and insight of how they built their businesses and continue to work in the field. Together, we will discover supportive trade partners, new ideas, creatives, and inspiring artists from around the world. I am your host, Rachel Lorraine Crawford. Welcome to the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Lorraine Crawford. I have my own business called Tiger Vale. We are a holistic interior design firm specializing in residential and hospitality design. I also have a beautiful mentorship program called the Design Coven, and I've got some Coven members here. Um, This is a membership for aspiring and new interior designers where we get to support each other, share business practices, introduce them to all of my uh, connections, because when I first got out of school, nobody shared information. It was very secretive. Uh, very competitive and I'm all about collaboration over competition so I've got some beautiful members here in the audience where we just hit 90 members today globally I'm super stoked Um, so yeah so what we're gonna do today is we're going to start um, I always light a candle pull a card ask what home is I've got a list of a bunch of questions for these beautiful panelists we're talking about being published Um, because I know many of you might have that as your goal coming into 2024. I've been published several times, but there's um, just for me, like one of my most valued, um, one of my values for myself is relationships. And I'm all about relationships. And that's what gets you published. It's what gets you seen. It's how you connect with others. So a lot of that is going to be in relationship to that. Before we um, start, I do want to just acknowledge that we are on the land of the Kumeyaay Nation, and I would like to honor them, their past, their ancestors, and just give a moment of thankfulness and and honor to those people because we are on their land. Alrighty, so let me go ahead and light a candle, set our space. I light a candle just to get us in the moment. Um, for me, being grounded and centered is really important and being intentional. So whenever I start a project, I'm really intentional about what this project is about, what we're working on. Um, so I'm going to do that here with all of you as we, we sit here. So fire is the element of creativity, passion, desire. It's also the element of destruction. And sometimes we have to destruct in order to, to restart. But tonight we're all about creativity and connection. So that's our, our fire. And I'm going to hold hard. This is my deck that I bought when I was 17. This is my first deck. This is my trading through. And when I'm pulling cards, I'm just uh, connecting with the energy. So if there's anything that we might need to know at the moment, I'm down for it. So let's see what we've got. We've got the four of wands, and there's four of us up here. Um, This is connected to celebration. It's connected to homecoming. It's connected to ritual. And I just think this is a beautiful moment. We have, I'm curious what your guys' sun signs are. Alex, what's your sign? Pisces through and through. So we got water. Capricorn. Okay. Oh, Earth. 
Oh, you're a Libra too. I'm Libra. We got some air, so we are missing our fire. There you just had it. And I'm a Leo moon, so we got some fire there too. All right, so uh, my first question is what's home? What's home for you, Brady? Or Jim? <laughs> um, I think home is where my boyfriend and my dogs are. Nice. I love that. Ken? Uh, my home would be where my husband and my two girls are, and uh, that is over in Elephant Forest uh, here in North County in San Diego. That is a magical space. Like you, I don't know if you guys have been there, but it's like the trees. You feel like you're going into a, like an enchanted forest. That's what I feel like. It's when I go absolutely there. enchanted. The trees are amazing. The live oaks, when you go down the street, it's so twisty and turny. But getting home tonight with the rain, oh. I'm yeah. almost guaranteed that it's flooded out. So I'll have to go <laughs> down the main roads. Nice. <laughs> And Alex, what about you? Um, when I read this question, and I didn't take it so literally, I think that my yeah. home um, represents a space of um, being able to sort of undress the robes that we wear as professionals. You know, I think uh, in different ways, we sort of have a job where we have to really show up and be someone for other people. And so I think home for me is a time where I don't have to be somebody for something. You know, I'm a mother, but um, I can kind of show up as I am for my kids. So it's just a place to to let the worries of the day kind of fade away, relax, get a little stone, yeah. take a bath, you know? <laughs> nice. I love it. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start with you, Alex. Can you just give us a little background of what you do, who you are, who you serve, so we can kind of learn more a little bit about you? I was born and raised in San Diego, um, and about the age of 25, I felt like I was on a hamster wheel here, doing the same thing every day, seeing the same people. Um, and I had gone to Chicago for a friend's wedding in June, Asterix. Uh, and I felt very called to be there. I didn't really think um, that it was something I would ever do. I didn't think I would ever leave California, but I ended up spending um, almost 10 years out there uh, where I started as a waitress in bottle service. I'm also a tomboy, so me wearing like little black dresses and like doing the thing was very odd. Um, but nonetheless, I got to know so many people in hospitality um, and then eventually worked at a PR firm and then eventually started my own agency called Chrome City. Um, and within that agency, we started with a lot of nightclubs, uh, then restaurateurs, um, and then came knocking the designers who designed those restaurants, wondering why they weren't included in the press hits that I was getting. And so then began um, my work with a ton of different designers in Chicago. Um, and I moved back about five years ago after I had my son. And then 2020 hit. And uh, as soon as we were sort of in the clear, I just emerged very fresh. Um, and very intentional uh, and without trying to control what was happening. And we've been able to build a really incredible agency um, since then. Uh, we're located in Hillcrest and we currently serve um, Basil Studio, Jules Wilson Design, and Bisaha Hospitality. Um, and I'm a fangirl of all three of them and feel very fortunate to work with them. Super cool, I love it. Um, Ken, can you share a little? Oh, before we go to that, you have a podcast. Can you just share yeah. that? Yeah. So that people can I host a podcast with San Diego Magazine's um, um, president and CEO, Claire Johnson, uh, called Not a Parenting Podcast. Um, we have season, two seasons already um, where we talk to incredible San Diegans doing amazing things who also happen to be parents. Um, so it's, it's a wonderful podcast. Thank you. Rad. Of course. All right, Ken. 
Can you share? I'm just intimidated sitting next to Alex because she's so well-spoken, thought out, and has a narrative for everything. And I typically would give you a one, yeah, I had like a one-sentence answer. I'm like, I'm good, thank you. Uh, so I'm a little intimidated following her. But um, so wh who am I? What do I do? Uh, my name's Ken St. Pierre. I'm the president and group publisher at Modern Luxury. I run the San Diego and Orange County markets. Uh, our company has about... Uh, 85 titles in 23 different markets, so we're all over the country. Everything we do has a golden thread of luxury attached to it, so it's all about the luxury lifestyle in all of these markets. A um, little backstory on me is I got my first job working in any form of publishing was in high school on my school newspaper. I was the editor-in-chief in my school newspaper, and then I got my first job working in advertising sales. Uh, back in the day, uh, anyone who's a little bit older might remember that they used to have classifieds in the back of newspapers. <laughs> So the first job I was able to get um, out of college was uh, selling classified ads in the back of a newspaper. And we sold them for $3 per line. And so I remember grabbing, uh, buying myself a thesaurus because I thought if I used larger words, you'd have to buy more lines and I'd sell more. And that was my start in ad sales. And uh, since then, I have uh, worked my way up in the industry. So yeah, I got my start at the very, very bottom. and. Started started there and, and now we're here. So there we go. All right, Jim, what about you? So I'm Jim Brady. I'm a photographer. Um, also starting to work in video these days because, well, just because. Um, I was in architecture school and, and realizing it was like, oh, this is not right. There's something not right here. And I took a photo class and loved it. And so I just told my parents, I said, well, I guess I'm going to change. I'd always wanted to be an architect. So like suddenly there was like, you know, no ground under my feet, but that's what I liked. So I just left and uh, went to art school and did photography. And then after school, I was kind of lost and I was in an architectural bookstore one day and I was just looking at all the books and like there was a book on architectural photography. That's how dense I am. I never thought about all the books I was looking at, somebody had taken those pictures. I had to have a book that said it was an architectural photography. <laughs> so I bought it and I still have it. <laughs> and so I worked with interior designers, architects, landscape architects, um, hospitality people, you know, just people that build stuff basically. Amazing. Um, so one thing I always love, I love connecting with new designers, aspiring designers, because they always have this fresh take. And when I talk about like publishing or marketing or media or whatever, like, but I don't have anything to publish. Like, what do you mean? Like, what do I do? Like they kind of freak out. So Alex, my first question for you is how important is social media presence for the design professionals and what tips might you have for effective social media branding, especially when they don't have these things to to show at the moment. Yeah. I'll start with the latter question if you don't have a lot to show and kind of work my way back to your trifecta of a question. <laughs> I may need to ask you again what that first part yes. was. Um, I think if you don't have a lot to show, you can have a lot to say and you can have a great perspective and you can show a lot about what inspires you. I think some, today I was just on a call talking through some strategy around social media, looking at some examples that a very well acclaimed firm here in town was really looking up to in New York City, the way that they had curated their content. 
And as I was looking at the content that they were looking up to as I admire their work all in its own, um, what I noticed about the curation of the content from this New York agency was it wasn't all uh, project photos. It was an album cover. It was a beautiful piece of pottery. It was a vintage photo of their father. And so I think people, like you said, I think post 2020, we emerge in a way where we aren't wasting our time with people that we don't want to spend time with. And we're also really drawn to the stories behind people, what they're inspired by, and how maybe a design of something simple like a shelf in a bathroom could have come from the vintage car that was in their father's garage. And so I think sometimes we limit ourselves in our thinking about this has to be a perfect photo of a perfect thing, or I haven't done that perfect thing. And it's so limiting because I think when you can explain who you are as a designer by what you're inspired by, by what you see, by the places you've traveled to, um, you really can get jobs off of simply just sharing your authentic self and what you're inspired by because somebody may say, holy shit, my dad, had, my dad had that car too. I'd love to learn more. Let's go grab coffee and you never know where that can go. So I think if you have a limited uh, examples and opportunities, you can also shout out, especially when you're first starting, people in San Diego or otherwise who are doing great things and be sure that you're crediting them, you're crediting the subcontractors, you're crediting the photographers most importantly, because just you tagging those people to say like, saw this today in Modern Luxury, photographed by so-and-so, I'm so inspired by the way that they did X, Y, and Z. You're showing your perspective, you're shouting out to people that are um, in the industry, accomplished, and who knows if they repost that and then all of a sudden you're getting exposure to the photographer's Instagram, the publishing Instagram, um, and more. So that's one. Um, social media, obviously, as we all know, this is nothing new, is the greatest tool that we have, right? So you can get published in Vogue. Not that many people are going to see it unless, drumroll please, you post it on Instagram. So I think that the power of social media is so important because not only can you showcase the press hits that you get in the media and the incredible photos that you have, but you have full control over your story, your narrative, your inspiration, and most of all, the ethos of who you are and what you stand for. Um, and sometimes that's really hard to do on your own, and that's why you hire somebody like me. Yeah, I love it. You killed it. Um, Ken, I was talking a bit earlier just about relationships, and I know that we've been building our relationship for a few years, and same thing with you, Alex and Jim. Like, I'm always connecting and networking and, and introducing myself and just going to all the things. What um, advice can you give to these designers to, to build these relationships with people like you? Hmm, good question. I think that for a lot of us, uh, we're looking to get published and you want to connect with an editor. The best way that you can do that is to be consistent, right? You've got, you've got a project you're working on, you've got an idea, put a package together, have a hook, have an angle, tell the story and send it over to the publisher, publisher or the editor with a, with a reason why, right? Because uh, sometimes we'll get pitches from people that don't make any sense. <laughs> right? It's just, there's no logic to it. We don't know what we're being pitched. Are you inviting me to dinner? Like, what, what's, what's going on here? Do you want me to come and eat in that kitchen? Um, so what, what, are you, what are you trying to achieve, right? So if you're clear and concise, you're able to share a, a catalog of images, you're able to tell about the story and present it to an editor, then you're going to come across as somebody who is uh, worth opening an email from, right? And so you're presenting a nice package. That editor can then look at the package that you offer and say, okay, here's a great group of imagery, uh, here's a clear, concise story about the angle, here's the hook, and 
when you do that, those are the types of stories we're going to pick up on. And if you're doing that consistently, then you, when your name appears in their inbox, you're you're the type of email that will be opened and not deleted. Yeah, it's that consistency. <laughs> that, it's that showing up, right? Mm -hmm. Show up, yeah. be consistent, and and do a do a good job. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, and Jim, what role does professional photography play in getting projects over to, to Ken? Do you have some advice there? Well, I mean, hopefully the, the pictures are good enough that they would look at them and say, yeah, we'd love to run this. Um, so that's kind of where it starts. Now, I think you would also ask about, <clears throat> like, you know, the difference in doing that and just sending some, like, phone yeah. shots. Well, you know, sending some phone shots is going to show your project maybe in a dreadful light, um, maybe not as you know bad as that. But they're not going to. It's not going to give them something that they can can run with. Um, and a lot of a lot of magazines are you know to have the time, the staff, the budgets to take care of reshooting everything. So if you send them a package of complete photos, um, you know then they can see what you've got. And what I would suggest is in a room do don't just do a shot of each room maybe do a, a bigger shot do a, a vignette do a detail um, then that gives them stuff to play with if they do want to run it you know they can go oh, we'll run this whole room we'll do this vignette we'll do this detail you have different shapes you know verticals horizontal squares um, and then it gives you ultimately, you know, eventually a lot of pictures to play with on social media, add to your website. Um, so that's, I would kind of suggest that. Yeah, I think, sorry, just yeah, to no, add on please. to that. That is the investment. Obviously, when you're starting out, it feels really overwhelming uh, to spend on a great photographer because the greats cost it's well worth it right but if you don't have that i think what a great point is is that 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 those photos can go so far because you can pitch them out to a number of outlets local national industry organizations like it goes so far beyond just like the four that you hope to be in one day right like really diving deep into instagrams youtube like podcasts like media spans so great and they're going to use those photos because when they're showing a youtube and you're talking and they're, you're talking about an example of your work they're going to want to show a slideshow of your work um, your website can use all of them all of your social media design can use them not just to post sing singularly but also in stories as you unfold on um, you know in reels there's so many different ways you can use that one investment um, that I completely agree with you there's just such a, a plethora of ways but most importantly getting published magazines now are facing such a, a hard time and so um, when they used to be able to send someone when they were interested it's just not always that way anymore so if you can provide them with like you said the different shapes the different sizes I mean we'll even like put things into like indoor outdoor bedroom one bedroom two and each one has like six of the top shots you're organizing it for them to make it easy to make Elections. And actually, if you do, if you do a few shots in each room, if somebody's just doing a thing on a bathroom or a bedroom or a whatever, then you know they they you have those few shots together, and it, it that can go into like just a little feature. Yeah, if I can add in from the publisher's perspective, when our editors receive images. We, it's it's funny we, we encounter quite a few different things one would be you send over about 800 images 
and we're just like, what's going on here? What, what's this all about? And who has time to go through 800 images, right? We don't want 800 images. We also don't want two, right? Yeah. So don't send us two, don't send us 800. Look at like 40, right? Maybe 40, 50 images that are great because you want that editor to be able to go through and the shot that you think is amazing, the editor might just scan right by that one and find a shot that you didn't even think of and that's the shot that they're gonna use. So give them the ability to look through photos. Don't kill them with too many that they can't find what you want them to find. But my strongest uh, encouragement to everybody is invest in photography. Hire a photographer, do it professionally. So many people think they can do it themselves on a cell phone. And sometimes we'll get uh, we'll get images that'll come across. And then when we look at them, yeah, it's a beautiful shot, but it's low resolution. We can't publish it. It just simply won't print. So. What do we do then? We're saying, well, we, we close the book in a week, so can you get out there and get it professionally shot this week? And if not, well, we're gonna move on and select the next project. So pay for the photographer, make that investment, send us quality images, and those are the, those are the things that are gonna get picked up. So Ken, you're looking at photos that are already done, edited, ready to go. You're not sending out your photographer to get these shots. They need to come prepared. Yeah, correct. I think most publications are the same this way where, um, like Alex was saying, the budgets aren't there to have photographers on staff going out to these projects. So you're paying for the photography, you're sending it over. And then if the photography is there, then that's what that's what will get published. Another, sorry, just yeah, jumping please. off of that. You can also come together. I feel like this is an obvious thing, but sometimes, you know, just sharing something that everybody knows and reiterating is like, you can come together with the multiple people that are benefiting from the project to pay together, you know? So if the tile company is going to get great exposure from the photos and the flooring company and the curtain company and the, does the, you know, artist whose piece is being featured as a mainstay and everyone can use it on their social and you can all four pitch in for that larger cost, then everybody wins. You just use them in different ways. So there are a lot of ways to sort of like manage that cost. No, that's huge. I love that you mentioned that. I was doing a lot of things like in the wedding industry a while back where I was like making jewelry and headpieces and we would do these photo shoots where we bring everyone in and we take on the thing. So I think you, that totally applies to, to design. So getting really creative um, with your vendors and making the relationships with the vendors too, like your favorite people, like reconnecting with them, establishing relationships with them so that they are totally going to be on board to, to come together with you on something like that. Um, talking about effective strategies, um, Ken, can you talk to us a little bit about the role of storytelling? I think you touched on it a little bit, um, but how can designers enhance their storytelling skills? It's very important. What is the point of this project that you're sending over to us? Why are we looking at it? Is it a pretty house, right? Is it a pretty room? Sure, but aren't there tons of pretty rooms? So why should we look at your room? What's the angle? Why will the reader want to learn about this? And so a lot of times you need to sort of step outside of yourself and look at it from someone else's perspective. Uh, you've put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into the project, which is fantastic, but does anybody else care? How do we make them care? So is there an angle? Is there a hook, right? Is there something um, historical in the home that you've been able to maintain and uh, make it into a contemporary home that's honoring somebody who used to live there, you know, 100 years ago or whatnot? What is the angle? What's the hook? When the reader's picking up the magazine and they're flipping through the pages, are they seeing just another bathroom? Well, 
I mean, we all know what a kitchen looks like, right? So why is your kitchen special? So I think the narrative, the storytelling is incredibly important. We want people to understand why they should care about this house. So is it uh, the architect? Is it the designer? Is it, you know, something really unique about the, the fabrics or the decor or, you know, something like that? I remember I was at a house um, and they were giving this tour. They're, they had made... Um, I think it was a dining room table or some piece of furniture that came from a sacred tree in Hawaii that you typically wouldn't be able to purchase. However, it was due to um, uh, lightning that the tree fell and they were able to purchase this tree and then make it into this piece of furniture. So that story, the, that piece of furniture had a very interesting story and there's your hook, there's your angle. So what is your story and make sure that's part of the pitch and then make sure that's very clear for the editor, right? Make sure that they're easily able to understand what your hook is. You, I mean, bold it, underline it. Here's what's really unique about this property. Do some bullet points, right? Things like that. So it really shouts out. You got to remember these editors are busy. They've got a lot on their plates. They're typically working on multiple publications, multiple things at the same time. And so if something comes out over and it's very complicated, right? Or it's you're, you're really your, your selling point is buried on page three, we're not going to get to it, right? So make sure it's very bold. People know what you're, what you're at and definitely tell that story. Amazing, and I imagine that this is really helpful for for you, Jim, um, when you're doing the photography. Do you want to know the story? What are we looking at, and how does that translate into your photography? Yeah, I definitely want to know the story. Um, it just affects how, I mean, how you're going to approach the whole thing, the the photos you're going to do, the things that you're going to emphasize in the photos, and I think there's also there's other kinds of of storytelling too. I mean, there's like, I always am curious, like when I'm photographing rooms, you know. What kind of emotional, what do you want this room to feel like? Is it a bright, happy room? And sometimes, you know, you'll run across rooms that are really different. They go from bright and happy to, to, to much more dramatic, but, you know, are we gonna do both? You know, what do you want it to feel like? So I think feeling is also, mm. a, you huge. know, a story. I wanna to touch on this too. Like, if you build something really beautiful and you are almost so in it that you don't know what the fuck to say about it, can I just say from like a non-emotional, non-deep place, ChatGPT, <laughs> yes, is a great place to go in and say, you can paste, here are every detail, and I mean it can be exhaustive, that you've written down everything you've used, every piece of fabric, material, here are the designers, here are the architects, here are this, that, because you're exhausted, and life is hard, and the world is falling apart, and you're like, I don't know what the fuck is special about this, I don't know. You can paste all of that into ChatGPT and say, please give me five points for modern luxury. No offense, I hope you don't know that I'm ChatGPT. <laughs> <laughs> but it's helpful. It's very helpful. You, all, yeah, so the editors are probably grateful, like, oh my God, this girl sent seven paragraphs, or ChatGPT found five bullet points right. <laughs> to, like, to help you sort through the info. Like, what is, I'm pitching the publisher or the editor, usually, of Modern Luxury San Diego, who covers and fill in, go find that paragraph of what they cover. Here is my project. You paste your whole thing, and at the end you say, give me five points of how and why this is important to San Diego for a luxury market for January 2024. And you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> 
And if you need to learn more, I do have a chat GPT workshop. It's for free in the design coven. We did a whole workshop. The recording is there ready for you to take it on because for me, AI, I'm all about it. I want to make my work easier, more pleasurable. I want to stick to what I know and I'm not afraid of it. So I welcome all of that stuff. So I'm so glad you mentioned that. I use ChatGPT quite a bit when I'm writing because I write all the time, just emails and I'm creating decks and presentations and proposals. And it's always going to come across in my voice because I've done it so many times. So my ability to be original and thoughtful about something I've done a thousand times is just not happening, right? There's no new way I'm going to tell the same thing over and over again. I put into ChatGPT and I'm just like, it's my words, freshen it up a little bit. It just changes the sentence structure. And then all of a sudden I'm like, hmm, I just sound a little bit but smarter didn't right (laughs) yeah and you can start to train it and it will know your voice and it will get to understand like how you communicate and operate it's fantastic it's gonna make us dumb but whatever (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna get the job done that's what we need um, so I want to move into your expertise and advice just from all of your years experience um, Alex, in in all of your years, what have you seen to be the most common mistakes that a designer might make when trying to get noticed in social media or, or any of those aspects? I mean, there's two things that I think of. One is what Ken said, and I tell this to the girls that work with me all the time. Can this pitch come from 14 other girls around the country? That's the first question I ask. Like, if you're like, this modern kitchen with modern appliances, that, 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 I really am always like, ask yourself if this could be an exact pitch from 14 other people, then scrap it or change it. It's not worth it. So I think that's a huge mistake people make because I know how much time is spent writing those prompts. And you just have to ask yourself, like, like you said, I mean, you made this point already, like, what is special about it? And if not, let's find a reason, a way um, to make it special. And if not, then you, you can consult a PR person um, who is an expert in that field or who has great connections to um, make it interesting or pivot. You know, like I had a big, big designer bring me on where I knew there was a lot of other people that wanted that job. And I'm so grateful, but he and I just clicked. And um, we were very focused on this one story that was gonna happen and it didn't. And he was very graceful in saying like, all right, let's pivot. What about this project? Or what about a story about my house? Or what about, and so like having that ease of that relationship, but also the ability to be like, I know that I just poured my whole life into this project, but we're actually gonna talk about like cool knobs for bathrooms and I'm gonna just become an expert in that and pitch that, you know? I think it's like truly like a big mistake is like not being flexible to be quoted in different publications on like random shit that actually doesn't have to do with your project. So like the other day, Martha Stewart Living was like looking for something about like bathroom mirrors, like so random. And I sent it to a client and they were kind of like, ugh, I don't know. And I was like, if you just give me like four random mirrors that you love, you can be in Martha Stewart Living. Another great just thing to put on your website. So don't ever feel like even if it's not like your project and your thing that you can't give a comment as an expert. Love it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Jim, are there specific trends or styles in architectural photography that's happening right now that maybe these designers should know about? The two things that I've noticed and I asked a designer today we were shooting, I said, have you noticed this? And he said, no, I haven't. I have noticed vertical pictures. Do you think it's because of social media? No, I, cause I think so. I, well, I'm not the social media expert. <laughs> I'm like, I think of square, I think of, I think of square with social media. Um, 
No, but what I see in magazines is a picture, a page, vertical, vertical. And the first time I ever saw it was a, a project of mine that got published. It was in Interiors magazine. It was really funny. It was like this house we had shot exhaustively. And it was like vertical, 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 vertical. And then the last page was only, was it not vertical? It was not even an interior, but it was just an extraordinary picture. So it's like, oh, they broke the rule. Um, so verticals is what I see. And everything was white and bright. And there's still some white and bright, but there's some stuff that's not white and there's stuff that's not bright at all. Um, drama seems to be mm -hmm. resurgent. No dusk shots still. Um, that seems to be not a thing these days. When I started, that was a huge thing. I was swore I was going to die doing film, <laughs> film dusk shots. Film yeah. dusk shots were just, it was all, I mean, the pressure, the pressure was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but it's so, yeah, still no dusk shots all day, but mm. um, things can definitely be darker. And people are using stuff that's darker and photography is looking, some of that looks a little bit darker. Do you have any um, last minute advice, Ken, for any designers here about getting published or anything that they can do at the moment to get seen or just things that they should be doing maybe before getting published? Like, you know, we talked about consistency, anything else that they can kind of take home with them? So this isn't just specific for design, but I work with a wide variety of industries, every single industry that wants to work with modern luxury. So whether that's restaurants or hotels, real estate, wealth managers, lawyers, doctors, med spas, everybody. Um, and I consult with them a lot on all of their advertising campaigns. And really the question comes is, how do I get noticed? And for all of you in this room, if you're all designers, guess what? Everyone else is in this room is a designer as well. So how is it that you make yourself special and different than the person sitting next to you? And I think that there's uh, it's just like this human nature that all of us were like, okay, I'm supposed to be something else. So let me try to make myself into that thing that I think you all expect that I should be. And then I'll be respected in this industry. My recommendation to everybody is to just go the opposite way and find your own authenticity. And if you're authentic about who you are, people are going to resonate with you. They're going to connect with you because you're being truthful and you're being honest. Uh, we do a lot of personality-based profiles in our magazine, and this is the advice I give to a lot of folks. And, and I say to them, if you're the coach of your kid's soccer team, talk about it. Because in this room, there are other parents who are coaches of their kids' softball teams and, and basketball teams and baseball teams. And those people will relate to you as parents because you all have that shared thing in common. If you have a parent or a family friend who is suffering from a specific type of cancer and say you do the breast cancer walk every year, well, if you put that in your profile and you talk about that, other people who've had cancer in their lives, which is everybody in this room, they're gonna resonate with you as a human because they connect with that level of suffering and you've all experienced that together. So you don't have to try to be like everybody else to be what that perfect designer is supposed to be because that perfect designer doesn't exist. The way you're gonna be successful, the way you're gonna be able to connect with your clients, connect with other people in the industry, get known to be published and become you know, the important person that you should be is by being yourself just being authentically true to who you are. And then hopefully that's an awesome person that people want to get to know. <laughs> How do I follow that? Hopefully your authentic no, self is awesome. No, it was a beautifully said thing. 
I mean, I can't agree more. I think that like, you know, not everyone is going to like that authentic person, but the right people for you will right like ken and i have like a very seriously deep friendship and our families are close and his husband is truly one of my best friends i've ever had and and that was an authentic friendship that wasn't like me putting on the show we met because i was producing drag queen story hour and i invited him and his family to come and and that was something that was important to me as an ally and as a queer person and so um you know just there i think to his point like it's not going to be for everyone that is kind of the point it is for the right people to find you and you can start over anytime i've started over so many times as i'm sure all of us yeah. have or i I've said I want to reverse. I don't like the people I'm around. I want to like clear the slate and start over. So, I th- but you know, to your point, if you were fake, our relationship wouldn't have happened, right? Because right? if she was pretending to be somebody else, and I connected with that person, it's going to be exhausting to keep pretending for the rest of your life to be that person. So just be who you are, and you'll connect with the people you're supposed to connect with, and you'll grow your business, you'll grow your career, you'll grow your friendships, and then you just get to be yourself every day. Yeah. And that's just a lot more fun than trying to be somebody else. Absolutely. Yay, woo-hoo! <laughs> um, so, yeah, you guys are fabulous. I would love to um, point the mic into our audience. Do you guys have questions for guests? So a lot of us have um, social media accounts that show our work in our personal portfolios for us students. How can we... Um, optimize those accounts for networking or for the industry? I can take that one. Um, I think that like really lining up as many events as possible. I mean, the reason that the three of us know each other so well is because it's like atrocious how many events we go to. Um, But I think that like capturing the essence of each of those events or um, setting up times to talk to different people. And I mean, even like setting up informational interviews, which I feel like is kind of like an old school thing that like our generation did that maybe this newer generation doesn't, but asking if you can interview them for a podcast or for a video and and posting that, Um, but also like making a reel about like an amazing interior design networking event that you went to and tagging them and trying to, you know, find everybody's contacts that were at the event and tagging them. I think it's like, even if you don't have a lot of traction on your social media yourself, if you can like reach out, find the people that were there, the venue it was at, tagging the venue, finding the hashtag for the event, tagging the event organizer, the organization, the national chapter of the organization, like just getting <laughs> weird with it. I mean, one post takes like at least an hour for us because yeah. we're making sure the music's right, that the music and the clips are going at the same time. We're tagging everyone, we're tagging the right brands. And so I think like the more reach you can have with that, and consistently you will you will find your reach yeah and i think what you guys are doing right now by showing up coming to these events going to any networking event you can even though if it's really scary i'm usually at them so come and hang out with me like i will take you with me and we'll go and we'll hang out with alex and ken and all the things and i see jim at a bunch of things too so um you're all welcome to come hang out because i'm i'm always down for it uh next question yes So my question is um, a bit about clout. So there is um, well-deserved and well-established big names in today's industries in luxury and design. And a lot of people in the room here are starting, emerging, creative, and there's a lot of gumption that we have to keep our own individuality. So for being a publication or for 
choosing which PR project you're going to or taking a um, photography uh, photography uh, project for a specific architecture firm. How often do you choose the merging that individual attempt to maybe with less resources create your own uh, place as a designer versus maybe a bit more of a financially appealing and um, a established name that you could partner with and use to build your own company. What's that balance? Is it 50-50? And do you think collaboration is the answer? Anything around there? That was a fire question. I can talk a little bit and then I'll hand it to Alex. Uh, so I think some of the stuff, all right, clout, right? The clout is very important. We love celebrity. Who doesn't love celebrity? That's why celebrities are celebrities. So if you're a celebrity designer, congratulations. Like you did a great job, you got there, but this room isn't full of celebrity designers, right? So I wouldn't worry about being a celebrity designer today. Why don't you try to be the best you could possibly be in your specific little niche, right? Find out how you can achieve the best you can possibly do with what you're doing and you'll be noticed for it, right? So I, I remember early in my uh, my career before I got into um, advertising and whatnot, I was working as a realtor right before the 2008 uh, collapse. It was, it was a good time to get into real estate. and. Um, and I remember my first thought was, oh, I should be in Rancho Santa Fe selling $50 million homes. And the broker at the time said, do you know anything about Rancho Santa Fe? And I was like, well, I know it's north of me. And he's like, have, have you been there? No. Do you, do you have any friends or family who live there? No. Um, so why would you think that you're going to be a successful real estate agent in Rancho Santa Fe? He's like, you live in North Park. You have friends in North Park. Your friends all live in apartments and condos. They don't live in $50 million homes. Don't you think you could be more successful in North Park, right? And then you could grow in North Park and then eventually maybe get to North County, right? When you're when you're ready for it. So don't worry about trying to compete with the top designers with the most clout in the industry. Just be the best you can possibly be right now in this moment in time. And then your career will grow, your career will blossom, and your career will go in whatever direction it's supposed to go in. And then eventually, 20 years from now, you're gonna be sitting here as the person up here with the clout that everyone's saying, how did you get here? How did you build your career? How did you get to where you are today? And you're saying, well, I started with what I knew and I did it really, really, really well so that nobody could ever doubt that I'm unbelievably awesome at what I do. I like your question because I feel like it's also like a business question. Like how does us as business owners manage working with the big boys and girls who can pay us a lot, who are super dope, that look fabulous on our websites and make us look like bosses, and the ones that are so incredible and emerging and probably can't pay us shit, but we have like a great connection with, right? Like is that how, that's how I heard your question. I think that for a long time when I owned a much bigger agency in Chicago, I would often try to find a big boy that actually wasn't that sexy. There's actually no gender to this. I just call it like, you know, the big boy client. You know, it's some like, you know, I'll give an example like pretty lame dentistry firm that I would never put on my website but has tons of money to justify my ability to help an incredible creative that can't pay me anything because at the end of the day, I have a 
people, staff I have to pay. And so for me, I think as a business owner, that's often how I've been able to balance it. Like we have two really incredible big clients and then also work with two incredible charities. And that is the ability to balance that out. So that's really what it is for me in my ethos as a business owner is like, I love that I've worked hard enough to be able to be asked by these big design companies and these big hospitality firms. They chose me. Like I still every day pinch myself for that. There are plenty of people that they could have chosen and they chose me. And at the same time, it's important for me to bring in. And I think also it doesn't have to be like you hire me and I'll take care of you. It could also be that like these guys pay me in my agency and we're going to the same events and we're around the same people. And all of a sudden we want to do an art show in a different space that, you know, like that collaborative nature is also something that we all yearn for that San Diego is known for doing in a shitty fucking way. You know, like Chicago, you'd be like, I want to do a drag show with this, with this liquor company and these 25 people. And it was like done collaboration all the way. So I think if it's something we all yearn for, it's something we have to work harder for. And I don't think it has to be like an agency or a publisher necessarily like working or even a photographer. It could just be like a collaboration project because we're all creative running in the same circles, showing up to the same events. And it doesn't have to be like someone hiring me to do. Um, so there's two different ways to look at it. One is like I have to have bigger clients to help, you know, clients that can't pay. And at the same time, it could also not be like a hiring situation where you're paying me to help you. It could be very much that like we found this cool little weird space outside that we want to do a cool photo shoot or an event that makes sense for the right people at the right time. And there's no like money exchange. And I also wanted just to add, like when you're talking about comparing yourself to like a big name or that kind of thing. Um, you have a, a lot of power by being small that these big people can't do. So you showing up, being able to talk, going on, you know, these stories and just explaining things. They don't might not have time to share all this stuff where you can and you can really show your personality and show who you are. And social media is a platform for you. Um, so make your own stage, make your own spotlight. Like that's partly why I created this podcast. I wasn't going to wait for someone else to put me on their podcast so that I can talk about holistic interior design because that's what I'm all about. Right. And I go on Instagram and I pull up my tarot cards and I'm like, yep, this is me. And people that come to me, come to me because I'm showing that stuff. So you really have to empower yourself and don't wait because no one's going to put you on that spotlight if you're not showing how awesome and cool you are already. So it's about showing up and being seen and, and doing it yourself um, and then getting all these other people to see you. Yeah. And don't, don't ever treat anything as a stepping stone. Take everything seriously. Do the best job you can do with that. And people will notice. People will notice. And that's kind of how I got started. It was, I had a situation. It didn't really involve much in the way of money, but involved my getting to shoot a project every month and get it out there and then I had the opportunity of selling pictures and stuff and they let somebody else do it one time and the guy just treated it like that and they didn't have him back and they kind of treasured me after that and so I mean you, you know whatever level you're at it's that's where you are I mean it's not just a beginning thing it's where you are right there right then and you give it everything you've got Amen. Any other questions? I mean, I've got a couple. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. okay, I've got a couple questions. Okay, so one, Jim, you just mentioned um, like selling photographs and 
a photographer we work with just mentioned that on a shoot last week, which was, he's like, don't give away your photographs for free. So he's like, if you have photographs where, again, you've got vendors like arteriors or, you know, urban lighting or whomever it might be, he's like, they want that content as well. So does anyone have any advice of like how you actually can, you know, cause you get an exchange of getting your name out there, but he said to make sure it's a good balance for both people, both parties. Does anyone have any idea of how to get? How to monetize photos in multiple ways is kind of how I'm hearing. With the vendors. And so you're, so you're a designer, you hired a photographer. Correct. Well, what I tend to do is to say, get everybody involved in the photo shoot, um, or, or you can be the person who is like responsible for paying the invoice. Then, you know, the photographer can sell photos to the other people and credit you back part of that. So that can help bring yours down. Um, yeah, there are a lot of different ways to do it. That, is that what you mean? Yeah, maybe that's a good idea because he didn't really elaborate on that, but maybe that's the perspective. He has the rights to the photo. Right. And, and so it, you shouldn't just be given the, the photos away, but you know, what I tend to do with, with clients is, you know, they'll do this thing. They'll, you know, we'll have like a, 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 a fee worked out. They may already have paid. Then other people get interested and then so I, you know, I sell them the use of things and credit my original client back. And so the next shoot they get, yeah. you know, they have a credit. Okay. Yeah. It's just a good to like get that feedback. I think it's just like, how do we exactly, it's a big investment in photo shoots and everyone does want content nowadays and wants to see new things and different things. and. So yeah, that idea of how do we get everyone involved and it, it gets your photo out there even more, I feel like too, so. I think the idea of crediting a client is incredible. I haven't heard that yet. I recently did a shoot that cost a tremendous amount of money and um, for my client and we paid like an extensive uh, creative creative fee, you know, like her to be there, her to shoot all day. I mean, it was like an extensive shoot and then a licensing fee that was astronomical. I mean, I was like, go girl. I mean, it was, I mean, photos were worth it. Right. But the, I think the fee structures are changing a lot, especially with social media. Like I noticed a good friend of mine who I'm sure people in here know, which is Stacy Keck. She was just recently posting like even last night about like the many ways that photographers need to be standing up for themselves in how you're using them, where you're using them, creating smaller packages. Like you, you can use these, you know, 10 for social media at this cost, instead of just paying, you're paying a creative fee and multiple other fees. So I think we need to continue to honor that craft because it's a, a craft that is sort of timeless and also needs to be like sacred. And at the same time, find creative ways from the agency, designer, you know, other side to come together and take care of that person, right? It's like such a two-way street that we can't like find the cheaper photographer or, you know, scoff at the fee. It's like, well, let's find a way. So the fact that you would credit them back if other people purchase them for their own use is a stunning way to do that. I like that. And maybe it's like different too, like coming from a photographer trying to sell the photo mm -hmm. versus the designer because they're like, Shh, we'll post your name, like that's what you get. Yeah. You know, and so it's like the photographer's like, hey, I've got these packages, mm -hmm. you know, because, and then it feels different because you actually the one that took the photo. Yeah. So I think, I mean, it's just one of those things that you might, you know, talk with your photographer about. It's probably one of the biggest conflicts I deal with at the publication on a consistent basis. I mean, truly, the most regular conflict we have is about photo rights. And um, we have an upload portal. So 
if you email me a photo, I won't publish it. I'll send you back to my portal and I'll make you upload it through the portal where you sign the waiver saying that you have the rights to this image and we have the rights to publish it because then we get down, we hear from somebody who in a situation like that, well, I paid for the image. Well, I shot the image. Well, it's my kitchen counter, right? And okay, well, whose image is it? And so many people, it's really interesting that have no concept that a photographer deserves to be paid, right? That they're, they, well, it's just an image. Why can't you give me all the B-roll? Like, why can't you give me all the images just for me to use? We already paid for the photo shoot, right? And then we'll have people coming back and saying, well, can I get those extra images? Yeah, well, you have to talk to the photographer. You have to purchase those from the photographer and license them from the photographer. Um, it's, it's an ongoing thing where I think a lot of people need education about the fact that photographers deserve to get paid. <laughs> Everybody wants pictures until they have to write a check. <laughs> Quote of the night. <laughs> I found it. Uh, oh. Old vintage designer here. Um, when I've been published in the past that it was in a San Diego Home and Garden and, or in the front page of the home section of the what used to be the, uh, pa the paper that we used to have that's now kind of not there anymore. But um, then I find a year later I'm in a someplace and I see my picture on the cover of some magazine, some national magazine that's, you know, so it, it made it around. I said, well, who, who gave permission for that one? But it's nice because it's there, but, <laughs> but you want to make sure you have credit so they know who took, you know, who did the work. Yeah. I think Jen had a question. So let me give you my mic. Jim, can you explain sort of the process a little bit more about, you know, paying for a photographer and then the licensing and the usage of the photographs between who owns them and how do you work that out with your photographer? Oh, God. <laughs> I'm not sure we have enough time for this. Um, so the typically the photographer retains copyright to things. Um, at the same time, I would never, I would never sell a photograph or the use of a photograph to anybody who didn't have anything to do with the project. Um, I've actually had people contact me. I always saw those in your website. Could we buy use of those? I'm like, uh, who are you? No, you can't. Um, so I mean, every photographer has like a different way of doing things and but you know, I'm kind of set up for San Diego market, so I, I tend to be much easier. Um, usually for my clients, I just, it's, you know, unlimited use just by your, you know, of yourself for your own self-promotion. So that's what my thing says. Um, other people, you know, do it different ways and yeah, it, it, it can be very complicated. One thing uh, to keep in mind is that uh, places where we've run into trouble is when a photographer is hired to shoot a project, um, everything's legit above board, the photos are submitted, everybody has the rights, everyone thinks that everything is completely normal, except that piece of art that's in the photo is licensed to somebody else. That's been, that's, it is a huge thing. It's a huge thing and then you're like, damn it, that's my fault now? How is that my fault, right? And But you were reproducing somebody else's image and 
wasn't intentional and you weren't really thinking you were doing anything bad. You were publishing a beautiful room that you designed. So that could be a challenge that you run into as you design these homes and you have beautiful works of art, how you're able to shoot that room with that work of art and get it published without that publisher getting into trouble for publishing the image that you wanted them to publish. Is this your next workshop? <laughs> um, well, I feel like this I was, is like a clearly say is that's another benefit of getting original art and connecting with an artist so that you guys are all together on the same page versus getting art that's reproductions that you buy from a big box store or somewhere else. So I'm all about supporting local artists, spotlighting them. Taylor Chapman, who is our artist here tonight, who she's not here, but her art is in the entry. We did a beautiful artist spotlight in February when she was making that art. So our design coven members got to go to her studio, meet her, see these pieces of art when they're in their raw form, and then we get to enjoy them now. So just, I just want to do a shout out to these beautiful artists and, and to incorporate original art into your work and, and connect with them so that you don't run into things like this. Uh, any other questions? Yes. Um, okay, let me gather my thoughts. <laughs> Basically, I am kind of curious from the designer's standpoint, how do you ask like for credit of a project that you've done that has been shared by not so much like people who are seeing it, for example, the a coffee shop that I designed. How are you asking for credit from like these vendors who are sourced in there and sharing it and crediting the photographer and the space itself and leaving you out? And what what do you do to like bring that in as like a small, you know, as little guys, we don't really have our own marketing team to push it out and we still want to like, you know, if they mentioned it, that could mean so much for this company yeah. to share and, my name with their platform. Yeah, and your coffee shop, everyone talks about it. It's absolutely gorgeous. Can you share the name? It's and, called Hinar Cafe. It's and I know you Cafe. guys have seen it on Instagram because it is like the San Diego coffee shop. Um, but I think pride. part of that too, and I think it might come back to Alex, is like when you are connecting with that client, having them share the story of you and who you are. Because I think people do it not realizing and they don't know. Yeah. So they're just posting these beautiful images and stories and they're going to the coffee shop and they're Instagramming it like crazy. It's all over. Um, but I think part of it is telling the story of, of who you are. And I think like what you said, it sounds so lovely, but like it just doesn't happen that way. <laughs> like truly, like I'm an obnoxious, I'm obnoxious as you can probably tell. Like, I'm a shark when it comes to social media stuff. I definitely will, like, DM people and be like, oh, my God, you know, like, sorry, I'm just going to be really honest right now, like, fake, like, oh, my God, love that post. Would love if you would credit me. This is my agency. So this good. is what I do. You have to be relentless. Like, it just, you have to not give a fuck what they think about you. Um, and also, I think um, providing, like, very separately from being a shark online is also like providing that um, whoever's doing the social media for the coffee shop, like, you know, hey guys, just catching up, seeing the incredible things you're doing, you know, with a sandwich mode, kind, to the point, kind, which has taken me years to perfect because it was usually just to the point, to the point, to the point. Um, but I think that saying something like, you know, seeing everything you're doing, um, I, I see you expanding your storytelling, could totally not be true. 
and thought this could be a really great way to highlight some of the incredible local people working with you, passing them the idea. Here's a few headshots of me. Here's some other work I've done. Here's my bio, like hand spoon feed them all of that information. And don't be afraid. What are they going to say? Not now. Cool. I'll check back in a month and don't worry every month after that till you do it. Period. Like, what do you have to lose? You nothing, you know, like don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed because it's something beautiful that you poured your heart into. And I promise you that I always tell the girls, bother them until they literally say, please stop because what do you have to lose? So I think, you know, passing that information along to their team, their storytelling team, their social media team, very kind of like buttoned up and put together, which we'll be learning at our workshop. And also like anytime people would comment on something that I did where I didn't get credit, I would literally be so obnoxious and be like, hope you come to our next one. Like, can't wait to see you here, Scrum City. Or like DM, like, thank you so much. Do you mind tagging me? Like, who cares? Yeah. Can we get a, can we get a who designed it page, Alex? What do you mean? Like a PR, like all the designers who designed it. And then it's long play hi-fi who did the interior oh, long play you should start it's that instagram not, i really don't want I to don't somebody else has to do it i, I like that no that's so important that's truly like an incredible idea yes i'll start the spreadsheet for you but i would agree with alex with what she's saying is that um you have to be your own best advocate you have to speak up for yourself and i accidentally forget people all the time and then i feel really bad about it that i oh damn it i can't believe i forgot this person some people reach out and tell me sometimes it's somebody else's friend will tell me that i forgot to add them um or i'll be reading it you know at like midnight i'm sitting on my phone in bed and i'm like ah god damn it i didn't even tag the venue Right. And I just hosted a party there like ah, delete this post. So it's, sometimes it's just human error that they're forgetting. But a lot of it is just our, the squeaky wheel gets things done. Right. And I remember hearing uh, a while back some good adage about why people should advertise, why you should market yourself. It's like winking in the dark. Only, you know, you're doing it. You could be doing a phenomenal job. But if you don't tell people you're doing a phenomenal job, how do they know? If you're not your own best advocate, if you're not speaking up for yourself, then people will absolutely walk all over you or they don't even realize they're walking all over you. They just were walking. You just weren't making a sound. So make a sound, let yourself be known and then do your own self-promotion. So you have this awesome coffee shop. I'm, I'm sure I've probably seen images of it online, but I don't know you're connected to it, right? So be the one to promote the hell out of it. I mean, listen, I sit next to Alex. I see her, she'll post something that she did. And a week later, she'll post the same thing again. Like she's talking about that party, yeah. right? We, And I'm like, oh, I went to that party last week and she's posting it again and she's talking about it again. She's making sure that everybody knows all these awesome things that she's doing. And so when I follow Alex, I know that she's got a ton of stuff going on because she's the one talking about it, right? And so, and I actually had to take a, a page out of her book and really boost my own social to say, yeah, I'm also doing a ton of awesome stuff, but there was sort of this idea of modesty, right? That I didn't want to be bragging. I didn't want to talk about all these things I'm doing, but then I realized I'm promoting a brand. I have to be talking about it, right? So I had to find a way that I could authentically still be myself, tell the story and then talk about all the cool things we're doing. And because no one else was going to do it, right? And you've been crushing it. Working hard. I took a lot of advice from Alex. <laughs> Brian. Okay, this isn't easy then. <laughs> okay, um, it's kind of when it comes to publications and things like that, and especially San Diego, you know, there's an aesthetic, right? Like white oak floors and white bright spaces. You know, what's the line of content and like new photographs and projects you're looking for? Like we tend to do a little bit different and unique stuff. And what's the fine line of like posting unique, new, fresh perspectives of interiors versus like what maybe your readers want? 
for modern luxury specifically, uh, we definitely lean towards new modern contemporary, right? That's just sort of the angle of what we what we go on. Um, but we definitely want original. We want unique. We want special. So if you have something interesting, absolutely send it over. And those things do get noticed, right? Because we want something that's uh, that doesn't look just like a track home. Right? So if you've got something that has color, you've got something that has a vibe, send it over. We want to take a look at it. Awesome. Thank you. And I think with that, we will close out. They are going to be here this evening to answer any of your questions. Before we go, my last question is always, what do you do to stay grounded, centered, present, mindful, any tips and tricks that you can share with all of us? Because I feel like we're always just running and running and running and running and don't take a moment. So I'd love to know what your personal practices are for that. Jim's like, I don't know. Jim is so basic, and then we're going to get this at the end. And just... But that's right, because then you'll forget what I said. My thing is just a couple of things that are, to me, absolutely fully engaging. Uh, baking and playing softball. Those are the two things where I just forget the world exists and just focus on that one thing right then. And then later I go like, what was I doing? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, for me, staying grounded and staying, it's health, wellness, all of that stuff. It's making sure that I'm working out consistently, eating right, all of that stuff. I think eating has been the number one thing I've been focused on this past year, and it's really just changed my mind, changed my body, everything. But uh, for me, I'm a dad. I have two little kids. I have a, a six-year-old and a four-year-old girl. They're, they're just the cutest little girls in the world. They keep me grounded because they're just so real and present and you just have to be present with them the whole time. Um, so they are a great grounding force for me. And I have to say, probably the number one thing is I, I'm just married to this awesome guy. My husband's amazing. And so it's, uh, we have created this amazing family where, you know, I have someone who does take care of me and, and make sure that I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do and is there to support me and whatnot. So I think just having a great family is what has allowed me to really succeed in business and in life and, and all of it and be really well-rounded. If he was here, he'd be crying so Aww. hard right now. I'm sure he's going to be crying when Alex texts him in this in, in about five minutes. <laughs> he's going to watch this and be like hysterical. Um, for me, you know, I'm a mom and I absolutely love my kids, but I feel like my identity, like sometimes like the way to ground myself is not around them yep. with all due respect for who they are and how wonderful they are. And, you know, their love brings me so much joy, especially my son. He's like my soulmate and I just want to be with him forever and always. Um, but I think for me, um, like what you lose when you become like a CEO and a mother and a partner is like that alone time in your early twenties. I'm always like, Oh, if I could just bottle that up and get that back. Like I miss that so much. So I think like alone time for me, I don't care if I'm walking grocery shopping, like it doesn't matter to me. Like I love to be alone. I've lived alone more than any of my friends. I just adore it. Um, I do go to this like yoga class on Tuesday nights at Sojourn Healing Collective with Kelly. That's just a deep stretch and it's just deeply effective. I call it church for me. It's just a stunning experience. Um, anyone can do it. It's just like moving your body because I truly am terrible. Like I just sit and then I drive home and then I sit. It's just so bad. Um, 
And lately it's been just incredible friendships. Like I feel really grateful to just be like attracting and really, I had to really hardly close some doors to then open the door to like the right people. And I feel like I found that. So I would say those things. Amazing. And um, also, I just want to have a shout out to how people can find you, what's your website, and we'll have all of this in the show notes too, so you don't have to worry about writing it down. So can you share with us how to get in contact with all of you? And we'll start with you, Alex. Sure. Um, it's chromecitycreative.com. Um, I'm updating my personal page, but that's alexandriaot.com. And we're on Instagram, chromecityca, Alex V. Ott on Instagram. And I also have an underground dinner series called The Blank Table, which is the dot blank dot table, um, which is also an incredible experience and a great way to meet people. You can find me at The Blank Table with Alex. (laughs) Her dinners are amazing. So I definitely recommend uh, checking those out. Great networking, too. There's a lot of really amazing people, and the food's always always killer. Uh, You can find me. Um, Modern Luxury, so uh, Modern Luxury San Diego, Modern Luxury Orange County. Uh, You can find me on social media, Ken St. Pierre, on uh, all the social handles. Perfect. Jim? uh, Brady Architectural Photography. Dot com. (laughs) Dot com and on socials. (laughs) Instagram is the same. Instagram and website are the same, so. He's consistent. (laughs) I I love it. I'm like, da, 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 and he's just like, it's this one thing everywhere. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on thank with you. me. Thank you. Thanks for having thank us. Thank yeah. yeah. <laughs> And that's Thank you all so much. Did you guys enjoy this? This was fabulous. Thank you, Rachel, for hosting. You've been listening to the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. If it's one that you have been enjoying, please share with anyone else that you think can benefit from this knowledge and leave us a five-star review that helps us get seen and found by other new and aspiring interior designers. And if you're looking for mentorship, I invite you to join our club here at the Design Coven. It's a bridge between school and real life interior design. We get in much deeper there. We have virtual and in-person events. So everyone is welcome. You don't need to have a design degree to be part of it. Just an interest in holistic interior design. I also want to thank our editor, Marcy Ferry. And lastly, Kinseth Thibodeau, who is our music composer. Until next time, be well, and we will see each other soon.